2: money monday on the answer means a conversation with josh pick of Aptus wealth management josh and i host the Aptus retirement blueprint radio show on fridays at 7 p.m and replay it saturday at noon here on the answer and you can get a free consultation no obligation at all with josh and his team by setting that up Online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. Or you can make your appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040. And I look forward to having you in the office with me on Friday, Josh. But as we approach what, for me, is a big day because I get to see my wife again at the end of tax season as she does taxes for a living. What are some nasty surprises that people get when they have their taxes done and, oh, sorry about it, the accountant says, there's nothing you can do You should have done something a while ago, and a little thing, a seeming little thing, becomes a big thing when it comes to a person's taxes.
1: Yeah, you know, we spend a lot of our time talking about what are some things that I can do to reduce my tax bill, like contributing to an HSA or an IRA or something like that. But oftentimes what ends up hitting you and your tax bill might be a little sneakier than that. Uh, And I can give you an example of a conversation I actually had this morning where a client of mine had inherited some stock, and it was a substantial amount of stock from a parent. So the parent died just uh, last year, and they inherit the stock, and the parent had had that stock for a really long period of time. So let's think that the parent paid $10 for that stock back 50 years ago, and now the stock's worth $100. Well, you can think of, you know, depending upon how much money they had in that stock, you know, a $90 gain, a 90% gain roughly uh, in a stock is going to create a huge tax liability. And the unfortunate reality is it, it shouldn't, uh, but it depends on how your accountant or your tax preparer codes it and whether or not you provide him the information because there was something called step-up in basis in a non-qualified account. What step-up in basis means, and this applies to uh, a home, a whole bunch of different things, is that the, the value of that particular asset at the date of death now becomes your new basis. So where the basis for the gain was $10 because the parent had bought this stock a long time ago. When they died, let's say that the basis for that stock was $95, and now it's worth 100 The new basis for the person that inherited that those dollars is $95. So rather than being a 90% gain, now it's only a maybe a 5% gain. And you can imagine, if we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, what a significant difference that can mean in taxes. And again, that applies to homes and a whole host of different assets.
2: Yeah, so much of avoiding a tax bill can be just detail and an awareness of how to classify things or maybe even record keeping up front. And that a lot of problems on the back end can be avoided if you ask the right questions up front or if you treat things the right way going forward. And I suppose that would be a great reason to have a conversation with your financial planner, your wealth manager, and your accountant whenever you come into a large sum of money or whenever you're going to engage in a a big transaction.
1: Yeah, I kind of akin this to if you've ever gone to the doctor or gone to the hospital and you get this bill and you go, holy, what the heck is this? And I go, yeah. oh, well, we actually just coded it wrong. We had the option of putting an L1 or L2, and L2 is $10,000, and L1 is 47 bucks. The same thing applies to your taxes. Depending upon what box, how things are coded, what form you put it on can make a significant difference. Now, I'm no tax pro, nor am I going to prepare your taxes for you, but it is important that you coordinate the financial people in your life. So your attorney, your accountant, and your investment advisor should all be working together in a harmonious relationship to make sure that you're getting the most advantageous planning
2: that applies to you. Josh, pick our guest. Aptus Wealth Management is Josh's firm. They offer you a free consultation as you build toward retirement. Set up your consultation with Josh and the Aptus team by calling their office, 614-917-1040. You can make your appointment online, aptiswealth, A-P-T-U-S, com. And as we've talked over the past year and a half, so much of our conversation has related to inflation. The inflation number last week was 5% down from 5.6%. Uh, The Fed is trying to raise rates on borrowing to take money out of the money supply to reduce inflation. And the word we hear a lot is recession, which is a slowing of the economy, uh, negative growth for two consecutive quarters, which we actually had once. And the Biden administration said, no, that's not really a recession. But now I'm seeing a new term, an earnings recession, which is, as you might expect, two consecutive quarters of year-over-year earnings declines. In terms of managing people's uh, retirements, Josh, and trying to grow their retirements, or for somebody out there who's keeping their eye on the markets and trying to uh, keep abreast of whether the market is up or down, how significant is a quarterly earnings report to, say, big companies that uh, drive the market, as last year a lot of the tech stocks did very, very well and drove the market? How significant are their earnings reports?
1: In the short run, it can be very significant. Um, so it's 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 important to heed the warnings of you know earnings reports. But at the same time, I think if you look at these new terminologies, right? We have an earnings recession. We have a recession. We have a, a soft landing versus a hard landing versus a. There's all these different phraseologies. Much like today, we have you know, a day for everything. You know, there's goof off day and there's, you know, it kind of runs tandem with some very important holidays. The same is true in the financial markets. So it's very difficult to kind of see through the static sometimes. But again, these are just short term gyrations. If you take kind of a page out of the uh, Warren Buffett playbook, he'll tell you that short term gyrations are impossible to predict and really unnecessary to view if you're thinking about long term investing. It's more of What does the company do that you're buying? What kind of moat do they have around them that would make it very difficult for another company to come and compete with them on any substantial level? Are their long-term earnings prospects strong? And then what are you paying for that company? Because remember, it's not just whether a stock is hot or making money. or It's what the market has priced that stock at. If you're buying a company that's a great company, and you're buying it 10 times earnings, which means... It makes $100,000 a year and you're paying a million bucks for it. You can kind of extrapolate mathematically that over time, I should be okay. But if you're buying companies that have price to earnings ratios of, you know, 100, 150 times, you're really betting significantly on what is the upward trajectory and potential of that company going to be in the long run, not necessarily buying it based upon what are its actual earnings year over year. So there are different companies that you should really be focusing on in times of headwinds in the economy. So if you believe as you're hearing all this data on all this news that, you know, inflation is a problem and interest rates are going to have to continue to rise and we are having uh, a reduction in earnings quarter over quarter, then you might want to start pulling back on the reins, battening down the hatches a little bit for maybe a, a little bit of a volatile time. Now, that does not mean pull the boat out of the water and, uh, you know, just completely hide from the storm. But maybe you should look at asset classes that allow you to take that boat and maybe park it on the opposite side of the island and weather the storm, but don't necessarily pull it out of the water.
2: Uh, I asked this question, Josh, of the guests we had at noon. I'll ask it of you. I saw the 60 Minutes report last night. I think it's been two weeks in a row on AI. Uh, Elon Musk sounding an alarm on AI. There's a lot of conversation about AI. It strikes me with the financial markets. There's been a lot of computer models all along on the financial markets and, you know, money management and things like that. But as you've heard about AI and as it pertains to what you do, uh, what are your thoughts on AI going forward and what its impact will be on uh, managing people's money?
1: Well, I'm going to echo the sentiments of um, of Elon Musk in that it, it certainly has some terrifying capabilities, but at the same time, it's very exciting. Um, and the easiest way I can answer that is over time, there have been plenty of money managers, people trying to invest uh, your hard-earned money, trying to figure out um, how do we analyze all of this data that we know is important when it comes to investing. And there have been algorithms and computer programs built, and there's no question that computers have changed the game. If you can think about how long it would take to analyze anything longhand um, on a real-time basis, it would be virtually impossible. Computers completely changed the game. But the one thing that computers cannot do is be forward-looking and interpretive. It. So it's still left to the person to interpret all of that data, and there's a bandwidth issue there. There's only so much information that one person can interpret at a time. Now, enter in AI, and it does two things. Not only will they be able to interpret that data and look forward and still keep the human element as the you know the ultimate pushing of the button, but the other thing that it's going to do is, as you have multiple AI uh, computers out there, Um, which one's going to forward look better than the other and will they be able to play a game uh, versus one another and what kind of effect will that have on the volatility to markets? If you have a computer's ability to manipulate uh, the way certain markets work, it could be a very challenging time for the average investor. So while I think AI is very exciting, um, I think this is one of those times where we might want to really consider some regulation.
2: Yeah, well, I like the personal touch of a fiduciary like Josh and the Aptus Wealth team, 614 917 1040. You can also set up your free consultation, no obligation appointment online at aptuswealth, aptuswealth.com. Don't be sending a computer in here on Friday. I need you here. So uh, we'll do the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio show then, all right? Sounds great. Thanks. So you've all heard the term Trump derangement syndrome, and it's real. Never more real to me than when I was listening to a podcast over the weekend with a guy named Sam Harris. Okay, Sam Harris is an atheist, first of all. So um, what do you know about Sam Harris? Well, you know he's a fool because the Bible says uh, he who says there is no God is a fool. So Sam Harris is a fool, but he's got a Stanford education, and he's an educational elite And he hosts a podcast, a very popular podcast, which is kind of the problem with our society these days, that he has a popular podcast as a fool who does not acknowledge the existence of or the authority of God. Sam Harris's podcast is called the Making Sense Podcast. Of course it is. A fool, an atheist, hosting a podcast called Making Sense. About a year ago, Sam Harris said something. Well, it was two years ago, because it was prior to the election. No, it was a year ago, because it was after the election, but he was talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. This is the first of three clips I'm going to play for you of Sam Harris from a podcast with Megyn Kelly this past week, which demonstrates in clear terms what a fool he is. First, I'm going to play the original comments that he made about Hunter Biden's laptop, the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, And how it was fine for the Hunter Biden laptop to be censored because since Sam Harris is afflicted with Trump derangement syndrome, nothing he could have learned, even the most heinous details that he could have learned on the Hunter Biden laptop would have been relevant enough for him to have given it any attention at all in advance of the 2020 presidential election. So here is Sam Harris From last fall saying no big deal that the Hunter Biden laptop and the story about its contents was kept from the American voter. The most of the American voters, at least by censorship of that story prior to the 2020 presidential election.
3: I mean, Hunter Biden at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Right. It's like there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden. Right. It's not it's like it's not Joe Biden. Even if Joe, like, even whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if you if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like, there's just. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view, right? Now, that's not, that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like, that, that's a, just a, conspira- that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump absolutely it was absolutely right but i think it was warranted okay so that's as trump deranged
2: as you can be that the bodies of children could be on hunter biden's laptop in his basement and he wouldn't care because orange man bad so sam harris took all kinds of grief for that and he left twitter because of that because he was getting proof that he was a moron so he goes on the megan kelly podcast last week to explain that he was taken out of context. He was taken out of context with what he said. So here he is telling you that, uh, well, what he really meant to say was pretty much exactly what he said.
3: My position was never that it was an easy call journalistically. I, in fact, in the in the context of this interview, I talk about it being a coin toss. I talk about being uncertain what I think should have happened there. But I sound very certain in that clip. In that clip, I, I seem to be saying that it was just straight, a straightforwardly wise decision to ignore the laptop. What I actually was saying, and what I actually believe, is that it was a, a, gen- a genuinely hard decision journalistically to d- decide what to do when that laptop emerged ten days before the election. Um, and I think you know it, it's it's a coin toss whether or not uh, a, a institution like the New York Times should have just ignored it until after the election. I'm not saying they should have ignored it till the end of time. I'm not saying that. It's not totally valid now to look at what's in that laptop, Um, although the truth is now that Trump is a candidate for the presidency again, I still don't care what's in that laptop.
2: So to clarify, what I said was taken out of context. What I meant to say was now that Trump's a candidate again, I still don't care what's in the laptop, which is basically repeating what he said before when he first demonstrated he had Trump derangement syndrome. Okay, here is the point that Sam Harris misses in this final comment where he shows again. This is an educated man. This is someone with a degree from Stanford. This is someone that people all over the country listen to because he's, quote, making sense. See if you can miss what Sam Harris is missing with his deranged commentary about how bad Donald Trump is.
3: The point I made there that was so provocative that people found so astounding and objectionable was that there there could be nothing on that laptop that I would have cared about, right? Now that is, you know, still true, right? Because it's it be, again because I believe we know so much about Trump and Biden as people. Now I'm not I'm not a fan of Biden running again for the presidency. Uh, You know, I hope he doesn't, although I don't know who the other candidate, I don't know who we would put in his place. Uh, But uh, still, I know I believe I know so much about him as a person and and that and there's nothing on that on his son's laptop that is all likely to offset that. You know, if, if Biden were living like Andrew Tate, right, if he was driving around in a Bugatti, well, then, okay, then some allegation of corruption might land in a way that would balance the scales against Trump. But again, we know so much about Trump's history that precedes his even running for the presidency in 2016 that makes him, in my view, one of the most corrupt people we've ever seen in public life.
2: So I'm listening to this Saturday as I'm mowing my lawn, and my neighbors must have thought I was crazy because I was screaming out loud about what an idiot this guy is, when he says, I still don't care what's in the Hunter Biden laptop because I believe I know so much about Trump and Biden. What he does not see is that what he knows about Trump and what he knows about Biden is reflected in the disparate way both men are treated by the investigative media. There is no investigative media with Joe Biden. Is anybody mildly interested why Joe Biden, once in his life, made more than $400,000, yet in 2017 made $11 million? And in 2018, he made $4.5 million. And how somebody who was a U.S. senator never made more than $169,000 a year while maintaining two residences in in Delaware and Washington, and he managed to accrue multiple million-dollar beach houses? Anybody remotely concerned about that? Is anybody... Sam Harris was asked about Joe Biden's sexual assault of Tara Reid. He said, I didn't know anything about that. I never heard anything about that. The difference in the way Trump is reported on and the way Biden is not reported on demonstrates the fallacy of Sam Harris's argument. Well, I know so much about Biden. You know nothing about Joe Biden because the news media doesn't want you to know about Joe Biden. That's why they... That's why they stopped the Hunter Biden laptop report. Idiot.
0: Tens of thousands affected by the toxic water at Camp Lejeune are left with death, cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, birth defects, and other serious illnesses. And along with the harm, so many worries. My family drank the Camp Lejeune water. What if our health gets worse and we need more financial help? How do I
3: protect my VA benefits and get the confidence?